up, y'all? This is John, flying solo on this episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Um, I've gotten some questions recently about some things we talked about, terms, concepts, all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to start a little mini-series today. We're going to call it Football 101, um, just to kind of go over those concepts. Maybe you're just getting into football, haven't really paid a lot of attention, um, there's a lot of new concepts and that sort of thing going on in modern football, so we're going to try to go over that and give you guys a better understanding. Um, I am currently drinking coffee because it's uh, fairly early in the morning. Uh, so today we're going to go over some offensive positions and basic formations, offensive concepts, stuff like that. We are going to post sample diagrams of the formations on our Instagram at nothing.finder.pod. And if you have any questions or feel I didn't cover anything deep enough or clearly enough, DM us there or email us at our brand new email, nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. And there is no G in nothing. Um, We're going to go ahead and start off with the head man of the offense, the offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinators design the offense based on the head coach's direction and the offensive talent and players that they have to work with. Good offensive coordinators change his offense to fit the talent and not change... I'm sorry, I may have said that wrong. Good offensive coordinators change the offensive scheme to fit the talent that they have and not try to force their talent to do something that they're not that well equipped for. Um, I think a good example of this uh, would be Jimbo Fisher with the Texas A&M Aggies. He doesn't really change his offensive system regardless of the talent that he has on the field. I feel like that's definitely a contributing factor to their lackluster season the last few uh, last few years. Like last year they beat Alabama and still managed to not win uh, 10 games, which is kind of wild. Um, but, yeah, so a good offensive coordinator – doesn't try to force a square peg in a round hole. Offensive coordinators can be situated on the sidelines with the rest of the team, or more often, they're in a booth uh, with the announcers, commentators, in a separate booth, but in that same area, to get an overhead view of the field. Um, that way they can see the entire field, all the players, how things develop. It's a lot, if you've ever sat down in the very front row, it's difficult to see everything going on if, uh, if you're down there on field level. Offensive coordinators call plays through headsets either into their quarterback's helmet. You'll see some quarterbacks have a uh, green, like bright green, almost like yard sale price sticker on the back of the helmet. And that's to let you know that there is a radio inside of that helmet. Or there can be a coach or second string player on the sideline that has a headset that will use hand and arm signals or the play cards like those big poster boards you see on sidelines with random pictures to get the play to the quarterback. Quarterbacks, often referred to as the field general because he is in charge of the offense, most often the play caller and the leader on the field for the offense. Um, Quarterbacks are the guys that read the defense, put the team in the right place should the original play not be correct for what the defense is showing. That's also called an audible. If you're ever paying attention on TV, you can say uh, quarterback's call an audible. That's where the famous Peyton Manning Omaha call came from. That's That was their uh, kill word for the last play, and then he would call a new play on top of that. 
Uh, oh, oh, sorry about that. The ball is almost always snapped to the quarterback, whether he is under center or in a shotgun or pistol set. We'll talk about those different sets here in a minute. Um, quarterback is the guy that distributes the ball, whether that's throwing it, handing it off, pitching it. That he is the uh, he's the distrib- distribution on the offense. Georgia's quarterbacks this season, as you know, are Stetson Bennett, who's going to start the season. Uh, backups: Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift. There's also Gunnar Stockton, high recruit out of last year's class. I don't see him starting or playing much this season, um, but we'll see where where that goes in the next couple of years. So on to the running backs. Running back has the most self-explanatory position name on the field, although sometimes you'll hear some old-school commentators call it a halfback or a tailback. They mostly run the ball. Teams use running backs in rotations, give them fresh legs, give them the ability to rest, always come in, um, like your Nick and Sony, your James Cook and Zamir White from last year. Just allows you to have a good, solid, fresh running back throughout the entire game. Uh, running backs, certain running backs are certain, are suited for certain situations better. Uh, power, speed, blocking ability, ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Last year we used Amir White for, for goal line power situations, and James Cook got a lot of passes out of the backfield. Typically running backs are running the football, Blocking for the quarterback and passing situations like you hear running back pick up a blitz, um, catching the ball out of the backfield as a receiver. Georgia's running backs this season are going to be Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Dejan Edwards. We've also got Branson Robinson coming in as a freshman who is an absolute stud in the weight room. I don't know how much he'll contribute this season because of how deep the position is, but uh, we will definitely see. The center on the offensive line is the position that you'll see in the center of the, the alignment that snaps the ball to the quarterback. Uh, centers have two other linemen on either side of them. Your center is typically the smallest guy on the offensive line because they need to be fast enough to get from the process of snapping the ball into pass blocking or run blocking. We'll get, over to, we'll get to the different types of blocking here in a minute. Um, also, a couple years ago, you remember Trey Hill sometimes would snap the ball and it would go directly into the ground. Um, centers also need to be strong, but their legs need to be small enough that they can fit the ball consistently through their legs. Georgia's starting center this season is going to be Cedric Van Pran. He did real good for us last year in a um, backup role. Not really a backup role because the center got hurt before the season, but He played the entire season, did really well, learned almost every game he got better. For the other positions on the offensive lines, we have guards and tackles. Guards are the position directly to either side of the center and typically the slowest guy on the offensive line. Not trying to hate, just really a fact there. Um, Also, excuse the squeaking going on. We just got a new puppy the other day, so he is going to town on a squeaker. Um, Your guards go against your defensive tackles, defensive or uh, nose guards, those kind of guys. Um, Tackles are the guys on the end of the standard offensive line alignment 
typically the longest, fastest guys on the offensive line. They've got the best footwork to prevent tripping over themselves while protecting the quarterback against edge rushers. Um, and we'll get to the different types of edge rushers when we do the defensive episode. Georgia's projected starters on the offensive line, and I say projected because there's going to be a battle for pretty much every position on the offensive line outside of center going into fall camp. Um, I think Warren McClendon and Broderick Jones are going to be the tackle spots. Those are probably like 90% certain. The guards are the spots that are definitely up for debate. I think both guard spots could have different guys than last year. Um, But we've got Tate Ratledge, who last preseason was touted as the best offensive lineman we had. Um, He actually got hurt and had his season ended very first series of last year. Um, And I think Amarius Mims is going to take the other guard spot. Amarius Mims is a five-star from a couple years ago. Phenomenal athlete. Um, Entered the transfer portal for probably a few days this past offseason. But came back to Georgia at the end of it, which is good. Um, Really just need to keep him happy, and he's a hell of of an athlete. We need to keep him on the field as much as possible. So now we're going to move out to the tight ends. You guys probably know a lot about the Georgia tight end room. Probably the best tight end group on the same team in, I would say, college football history. Um, We've got two types of tight ends on the roster. They're all tight ends, but they're good at different things. All the tight ends on our roster can do everything that we ask a tight end to do, but they do it all at certain levels. The blocking type tight ends would be Darnell Washington, Brett Seether, those kind of guys. They're huge. They're a little bit slower. They're still physical. They're still strong. Um, They can still catch the ball, but you'll see them mostly lined up just beside a tackle used as an extra blocker in running situations. I really hope we use Darnell a lot in goal line situations this season because he's so much taller and more physical than anybody else that's going to line up against him. I think it's going to be awesome to see him with a full, healthy offseason this year. Your pass-catching type tight ends are your Brock Bowers, your Eric Gilberts, your Oscar Delps. They're a little bit smaller. They're faster. They can also block, but typically not as well because of their size. Um, They mostly catch passes, and last year we saw Brock Bowers run the ball as well because he's just a generational athlete at that position. Uh, Now we're going to move out to the wide receivers. Wide receivers' primary responsibility is to run routes and catch passes. Uh, Georgia requires their wide receivers to do a lot of downfield blocking in the run game. It just makes it easier for the run back to break off long runs. Uh, if you remember back to the 2017 season, we had phenomenal blocking tight end or wide receivers, and that's why Nick and Sony were able to go for so many 60, 70 yard runs throughout that season. The wide receiver position has multiple roles within that position group. Uh, Georgia labels theirs X, Y, and Z. Certain teams and offensive coordinators label their stuff differently. So the X receiver is typically the team's number one receiver, lines up on the line of scrimmage, furthest away from the rest of the formation. Mostly going to be your biggest, tallest, most physical guy. So think of your George Pickens, your A.D. Mitchell, your big guy that can somehow contort his body like he's in Cirque du Soleil, somehow make a catch and keep a foot in bounds. Uh, So we've got the Y receiver. 
not can be confused with wide receiver. It's Y like the letter. Um, he's the slot guy. You'll hear it called a slot receiver as well. A lot of times it's a smaller, faster, really good route runner. Uh, so we've got Lad McConkey, Arian Smith, those type of guys. But Georgia and other teams recently have started to use different types of receivers in that slot role. Last year, if you watched any Arkansas games, they used Traylon Burks a lot in the slot position. So, you know, offense and football in general is just always evolving. So, definitely changes over time. The slot receiver is, in the Patriots offense, a big thing. Like, think about all those five foot eight white guys that Tom Brady used to love when they were winning Super Bowls back-to-back. The Z receiver is lined up off the line of scrimmage, so he'll be a couple yards back. On the opposite side of the formation are the X receiver and typically closer to the formation. So Georgia doesn't really have a typical Z receiver, uh, but this season I think it's going to be a lot of Kiaris Jackson, Marcus Rosemead Jackson, guys that are still phenomenal but not necessarily the number one target. So now we're going to get to the difference between quarterback alignments. So like I was talking about earlier, under center, shotgun, pistol, we're going to go over those different types of formations. Under center is when the quarterback is lined up directly behind the center hands, essentially under the center's butt. We don't use it all that often anymore except for in goal lines and short yarded situations. But it's a good play for runs in short yardage situations because you're not starting out further behind the line of scrimmage and in those short yardage situations you want to be as close to the line of scrimmage when you start your play as possible a shotgun set is when the quarterback is lined up five to seven yards behind the center in the line of scrimmage also used in a lot of passing situations running situations it's a versatile play um but like I was saying earlier, you're starting off five to seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. So there are some downfalls to that as well. A pistol set is like a happy medium between a shotgun and a under center. So pistol set, quarterbacks typically lined up around three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you'll see that a lot in spread formations, play action passes, RPOs, that kind of thing. And we're going to get RPOs and play action passes here in just a minute. Uh, so now we're going to get to formation alignments. Common, probably the most common formation in football is the single back formation because no one really uses that many fullbacks anymore. This formation is with a quarterback either shotgun, pistol, or under center. Running back behind him uh, can be beside him, can be offset behind him. There are a lot of different variations. But your single back formation is going to be one player in the backfield with your quarterback. Extremely versatile formation. You can run just about any type of play with this formation. Uh, You'll see a lot this season. The spread formation has become a revolution in college football and all football over the last decade or so. Uh, It's really impossible to find an offense in any level of football without some spread principles in it. Uh, So the spread formation can be used with a running back in the backfield or the quarterback by himself. 
in Georgia's offense specifically, you'll see a lot of this formation where the running back starts in the backfield with a quarterback and then motions into a slot receiver position. Uh, Georgia also uses Brock Bowers as a receiver in this position, so he won't be right next to the line of scrimmage. He'll be flexed out wide. A lot of versatility. The purpose of the formation of the entire spread offensive philosophy is really to spread out the defense, putting more skill positions on the field that defenses have to defend, which just creates space. Instead of having everybody within a few yards of each other, you can complete passes easier, more space for you guys to run after they catch a pass, or if you run the ball, you don't have seven guys just on the line of scrimmage there. So 12 and 13 personnel. uh, You'll hear this referred to a lot as just sets of numbers, right? So 10, 11, 12, 13 personnel sets. The first number is talking about the number of players in the backfield with the quarterback. So in a single back formation, that is going to start with a one. And then that second number is the number of tight ends on the field. But you can also have that number start with a two, like in goal line and short yardage situations, if there's a fullback or like when Jordan Davis scored his touchdown last season, there will be two players in the backfield making that first number, like I said, a two. So 21, 22, 23 personnel sets. That second number is referring to the tight ends. So if you have no running backs and one tight end, it can be a 0, 1, 0, 2, 0, 3, depending on the number of tight ends you have on the field. Georgia uses these sets a lot differently than other teams. Uh, 12, 13, and this season I really think we're going to use a lot of 14 personnel. So that's one running back and up to four tight ends on the field. And I say that because of how good the Georgia tight end room is. There, I don't see a defense in the country that could stop Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, Brock Bowers, and either Oscar Delt or Brett C. They're all on the field at the same time just because of how many freak athletes there are in that group. And the size matchup. I mean, Darnell Washington, six foot seven. I don't know very many defensive backs or linebackers that are going to be able to cover him effectively. So now we're going to get over to the difference between blocking. Like I said earlier, you can run block or you can pass block. The biggest difference is, well, there's a lot of differences. So we're just going to go ahead and get into run blocking. In run blocking, the line of scrimmage is trying to move forward and create running lanes for the runner to go through, whether that's Brock Bowers like we did a lot of end of rounds last season, whether that's Stetson Bennett, whether it's a running back. It doesn't matter. You're always trying to move defenders out of the way for that person to run through a hole. Offensive linemen often move downfield to free up space for that runner to go through. So you can see a good offensive lineman get to a linebacker or a safety and a good run block scheme. Pass blocking is almost like defensive. And by that I mean the line, once the ball snapped, they try to form a pocket around the quarterback to give him room to throw the football. Often they'll move backwards when they uh, pass block to, like I said, develop that pocket. And because passes can take many seconds to develop, they want to be able to stop anybody from getting to the quarterback during that time. 
Now we're going to move on to a play action pass. A play action pass is a play in which the quarterback fakes a handoff to the running back and throws the ball to a receiver or possibly the running back. Um, the goal is just really to fake out the defense. They fake that handoff, a couple guys bite going towards the run. You throw that football right to where the blitz is coming from, where those guys bit on the run, there's going to be open space there. Uh, last year, Georgia's offense really utilized play-action passes very effectively. A lot of the touchdowns you saw in the playoffs were off of play-action passes. So similar to a play-action pass is going to be an RPO. This is run pass op- or RPO stands for run-pass option, meaning the quarterback has the option to hand the ball off, run it himself, or pass the ball. This, in reality, could be its own episode in itself. So if I don't do a good job at explaining RPOs or you're still confused, reach out. Uh, I, can, I can try again. But it's a, I don't want to say new, but fairly new concept to the Georgia football offense and kind of wild to understand. So I'll do my best, but if not, I'll learn more and I'll come back and talk about it again. RPO is similar to a play-action pass, except the intent isn't just to have a pass. It's to read the defender, whether it's a linebacker, defensive lineman, safety, corner, whoever it is. It can really be almost anybody on the defense. But there, the quarterback reads that defender while he is faking the handoff. And if the defender bites on the run, like starts going downhill, attacking where the running back's coming from. Then the quarterback pulls it instead of handing it off and throws the ball. So you always do the opposite of what the defense does in RPO. For example, quarterback can be in the process of handing the ball off while reading the inside linebacker. The inside linebacker bites on the run, starts coming downhill. The quarterback has the option to either pull it and run it himself, which you won't typically see a lot of Georgia quarterbacks at least currently do, or you can have a receiver tied in um, running right where that inside linebacker is leaving, and you've got the ability to pass the ball to that guy in more space. RPOs give the defense no good option um, is basically the purpose of them. There's always the option for the quarterback to do the opposite of what the defense does. It's really kind of like a cheat code if you can have it and run it efficiently. All right, guys, that's kind of all that I've got for today. Just wanted to explain some basic stuff and a little bit of a little bit of a nugget here. I try to make it as clear as possible, but if you have questions, please reach out either with an Instagram DM or that email nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. Depending on the amount of questions we get, I may try to do like a mailbag type of episode, go over all the questions at once, or I may just take a couple minutes at the beginning and next episode and go over it. It really depends on how many we get. So I wanted to thank everybody for listening to the first in our Football 101 series. Please, if you haven't already left a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, please do. Uh, The ratings on Apple and Spotify give us more visibility through their algorithms. It helps us out a lot, helps us grow, get more listeners, and hopefully be able to do cool stuff during the season. 
On Spotify, you can review podcasts by using the three dots by the picture at the top of the main podcast page. Like always, I will attach questions on Spotify to each episode asking for feedback. And if you don't want to use that, like I said, DM, email, whatever, just uh, let us know how we're doing. If there's anything you'd like us to do differently, like us to do that we're not doing, let us know. Um, please follow our Instagram for updates, posts. We do stories. Wes does a lot of graphic design stuff. Awesome stuff coming out of Wes and all that. Always on our Instagram. Um, that's going to be it for today. So always remember, there's nothing finer in the land than a drunk obnoxious George fan. See you all next week. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at 4. From the pocket. Launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.